Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? Who are those guys? It's Ben and Hugh! Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, ben, Hugh, Hugh, hello! <laughs> Hi, mate. Hello, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, we've got Hugh as normal. I'm, now, I'm Sam Blakely, forgot to mention that. And as always, I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hello, Hugh. Hello. <laughs> have, you had, have you had an enjoyable hiatus? I have. I've enjoyed my winter break. I've come back from Dubai all ready to play. <laughs> you warm weather training? Yep. Feeling hiated up to the eyeballs? I mean, that would be the main part of the eight that I would be high at. <laughs> and we're also joined for the fourth time, record fourth time, by Ben Dawson. Ben Dawson, it's been a couple of months, I would have thought, since Blade Runner's episode. How have you been in that? Interim. Been yeah, not, that. Been about not three. too bad. Is it? Well, <laughs> this week in Pedant's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't know how long it's been, but it, yeah, it feels a long time. It's been but exactly yeah. three, Ben. Has it exactly? <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> He's wow. on the guest calendar. So yeah, what have, what have you been up hang to? Hang on, hang on. I'm just going to mark the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have an agreeable Christmas and New Year and fully January and most of February? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, like you know. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm, I, I like Christmas, but I'm, I don't. I don't go all out, <laughs> you know. I wouldn't. Have, yeah, I wouldn't have pegged you as a, a proper, you know, a Bedford Falls kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not 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 that much now. But yeah, we get we get together with the family, and it's all, it's always a good time, isn't it? So yeah, how are you enjoying the dystopian wasteland now that is post Brexit Britain? Are you having fun with it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I don't know, I've kind of gone off politics now, I mean... Do you know what, I woke up on the 31st of January, and uh, sorry, on the 1st of February, and I was like, where are the streets paved with gold? Where's my flying mm. car? Where yeah. are the, well. Where's the 350 billion promised to the, uh, or the 350 million promised each week, every day to the NHS? I was just, <laughs> just shocked, mate. Disappointed, that's <laughs> why I voted, you know... I didn't get what I wanted when I voted Brexit, so, you know. Yeah. Wait to time, uh, really. Pretty sick of politics, yeah. We're kind of done with it. Waiting for the sequel to come out. Yeah. <laughs> what, the re- rejo- rejoining the EU? <laughs> they sort of jumped the shark, didn't they, with all this bullshit this last four years. Uh, so Let them get on with it, I think. See it. Let yeah. Them, let them uh, mess it up. See where they No get. one has yet won the politics. <laughs> uh, yeah, poli- yeah, so that's the political satire out of the way. Yeah. Um, We've been watching a film this week, you uh, listeners in Podland. We've been watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, off of 1969, um, directed by George Roy Hill and starring the big leads of Paul Newman and the fresh-faced Robert Redford. Now, Ben um, has seen the film many times before, I presume. Ben actually showed me the film for the first time. I believe and, so, yeah. Yeah. and That's why you're on. Absolutely, he's the man for the job. Uh, Hugh had never seen it before. Hugh, is there a reason you'd missed it in the past? Nope, just hadn't got around to watching it. Just said when I, films, isn't there? yeah, you kind of knew it was one of those that I'd probably watch when we uh, got around to it on this. So I kind of kept it in the uh, old back pocket. Have you what, seen? Like have you seen? Uh, seen many westerns, Hugh? Uh, yeah, I've seen a few. Not not a million, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Not I'm not completely. Um, you know, au fait with the genre entirely, but uh, I've, I've seen, I think I've seen The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Um, obviously now I've seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, I've seen, what's the one with Clint Eastwood, what he made in the early Unforgiven. 90s? <laughs> that's the one, Unforgiven. That's I've seen one, Unforgiven. Yeah. Ben, oh, ben Sherman, actually. I've seen um, oh, the Mel Brooks film, um, 
Blazing Saddles. Thank you. Blazing Saddles. You know, that's probably the best one of them all. (laughs) 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 And um, what else have I seen? Um, I've seen 310 to Yuma. That's a really good film. No, we have not seen that. The original or the uh, the remake? No, the the remake, to be fair. Ah, right. Uh, Um, Yeah, I'm au fait with it to the point where I'm comfortable with its generic conventions and all that, but not so much where I would be like... I would know it scene for scene, shot for shot. Like, I don't think I've seen, like, um, a fistful of dollars and a few dollars more. I haven't seen stuff like that. So I've... Yeah. I know Sergio Leone was, if that makes sense, rather than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...familiar with the work. And I know that's not just what Westerns are, but uh, that's kind of what I've seen over the years. Now, Ben, you're a big Western fan. Uh, you know, I I never I really seen many until until I uh, lived with you, I suppose. And there was that time we were living not together, but not far away in, in Leicester. And I think three nights on the trot, or in the same night, we watched the the trilogy, the the Dollars oh, yeah. trilogy. Oh yeah, uh, I think I, rem- I remember that. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the rare trilogies where the third one is ten times better than the other two, in my <laughs> opinion. Yeah, the, the the good, the bad, and the ugly is just one of those classics in it that you know. You just can't knock, can you? I mean, yeah, yeah. The other two are still pretty decent films, but yeah, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly sort of stands alone, really. I think. Yeah, and then we have another another entry into that pantheon of, of great westerns. Really, I mean, mm. yeah, I'm not a huge western guy. I've not seen High Noon. I've not seen the first original True Grit. I've not seen Three Ten to Yuma. Ben, are you you're a big a big western man. I I mean I I am I, I do like westerns. I like a, a specific type of western. Um, I do. I'm not a big fan of the John Wayne sort of westerns. Yeah. Um, I do like the Searchers. I think Tarantino said that was one of his favourite films. It's pretty good, but yeah, I don't. I, I just find him a bit too uh, on the nose, if you know what I mean. I think. Uh, I think there's a there's a term called revisionist westerns that I kind of like. That uh, I think you could put Butch Cassidy uh, into that category as well. Sort of like anti-hero, sort of. They go against the the standard story of you know the good versus evil and that sort of thing. Yeah, mm. that was a big thing in this one, really. And it's um, William Goldman, who I plan on talking a lot about uh, wrote, wrote <laughs> this film. Uh, he had a big a big problem with that um, when he was trying to sell this script, and uh, one person was interested, and they said, you know, we can't have them. They run away. They go to Bolivia. So they said they said we'll buy it if you rewrite that and they don't run away to Bolivia, John Wayne never ran. Right. <laughs> and he's like, well, this is not a John Wayne film, you know. Uh, and it totally isn't. It's great. They just they spend yeah. the whole time running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Westerns uh, are influenced by um, Japanese samurai films, which uh, I think I've talked about being a big fan of as well. I right. know the, the Dollars trilogy is basically... Uh, um, well, no, sorry, the, first, the Fistful of Dollars is a, a, a remake of... Uh, um, Kira Kurosawa film. I um, can't quite remember the name of it now, but yeah, it's uh, and there's a lot of influence from that kind of uh, that kind of genre as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it extras? Seven's the clue. Was it for uh, Seven Samurai? And was it the anyway? Magnificent Seven? No, what was it? Well, What's Magnificent Seven is the. Um... Is the yeah. American version it's of uh, Seven the Western Samurai. version of Seven That's Samurai. right, yeah. yeah. And he's and um, Andy Millman's trying to pass himself off as a proper film buff when the a proper film buff. So I could do like, yeah, oh, Seven's I remember the that now. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't even know that it's a remake. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. What and they think it's not right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, And again, you know, you're you're our you're our Japanese guy. So we'll have to get some Japanese somewhere <laughs> on this on this bloody podcast yeah. one day. Yo, um, Jimbo. 
That's the name of the. That's the name of the uh, fistful of dollars, Yo Jimbo. <laughs> have you just been googling that? In the back I haven't. Now it's just come to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens to me every week, mate. <laughs> just comes to me. <laughs> it's off the top of the dome piece. Um, so Sam, shall we get into our uh, usual patois? Let's get into the old patois um, or patter, as uh, we say in. Uh, Proper oh, way. Um, so I did that. That's for you, <laughs> Latin fans out there. Peter, don't think I don't um, think about you. This is all bollocks, uh, right? So <laughs> let's let's me and Ben talk about what actually happens in this film. To listeners, uh, you should know that we are fully spoilerific right from the right from the off. Ben, do you want to take the on, uh, the honours of um, a little synopsis of what happens in the old film of ours? Yeah, well, basically, um, film starts kind of. What was it? <laughs> the film starts with uh, basically the, the 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 characters Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid are already famous, they're already outlaws, uh, being chased by the law, um, and they pull off uh, a job robbing a, a, a railroad, a train, um, and basically the train, uh, the tra- uh, I think it's E. H. Harriman of Union Pacific yeah. Railroad, uh, he he set, uh, sends a posse to try and stop them because he's sick of them posse. getting robbed. Yeah, super posse. Um, and basically, um, they, they realize that they're never going to outrun them. And, and it's quite a simple story, really. They decide to go to South America to get, um, to start a new know, life, to essentially. get away from, start a new life and realize that they can't outrun their, uh, their, their past. And yeah, and it catches up to them really at the end. And, um, yeah, and it ends with them being shot by the Bolivian army. Yeah, they die bloody as uh, that. Sheriff says exactly. that they go and tie up. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is about um, the the futures catching up with them. Really, they're they're men out of their time. It's right on the turn of the century, uh, mm. right on the turn of the sort of nineteenth to twentieth centuries, which is really odd. Actually, is a sort of little little fun fact that um, you'll see if you did if anybody who looks into this film at all. It's it, you know we think of the Wild West has been so long ago. This was you know obviously shot in the sixties, and Butch Cassidy's actual sister. Uh, came to set quite a lot. That's um, right. Yeah, I think I read that. Yeah, I mean the film is his so actual famous. sister. How old would, his actual what was sister, the age yeah. gap? Well, so she was six when he left. Um, when Butch Cassidy left home in his sort of twenties, so, so she's you know she's kind of like she's, uh, been her, she's she's been in her seventies at least about 70s. that. Yeah, about that. And so she came a lot and made good friends with uh, Robert Redford. And there's a whole big thing, actually, that the studio wanted her to endorse the film and say, look, this is a good film, I'm a living relative. But she refused to do it until she saw a cut of the film. So Robert Redford being the most charming man in the world as he was, <laughs> or possibly second most charming to Paul Newman, um, he <laughs> kind of charmed her and they paid her a little bit of money to kind of endorse it. So they bribed right, her, essentially, yeah. is what you're trying to they say. <laughs> I think they, I, I, they, they refused to let her watch it before it before it was uh, before anybody else had seen it. I think yeah. she I think she said... Uh, that well, I read that she said that Butch, that Paul Newman had captured Butch Cassidy pretty well. Mm. Yeah, how he was, he's, you know, he's, he's the joke joker and the sort of trickster and so on. Mm. And it's just it's just really odd. Yeah, it's it's actually not that far. It's the sort of equivalent. So Paul Newman's born in the in the twenties, and he's making a film about twenty five years before. It's like us making a film about the sixties. It's actually not that far away from yeah. our life. It's, it's really <laughs> I find it really odd. Because this film's so famous, you'd be forgiven for not knowing that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids were real people. Right. And it's something that I'd forgotten really until we got into 
you know the research for this episode um there's some really great documentaries out there about the real people and it is really really quite close to the real events a few things are different that we'll probably get on to but yeah really quite close um, i think it says at the start start of the film most of this is true that's right yeah and they well, some of this little, is true like, yeah they start with a little projector sort of clip of uh you know some of that's the, great that is i, I really yeah. like that a little silent, a little silent feature. But yeah, there's there's some great documentaries on this. I'll I'll, I'll put a link to some in the in the Twitter, on the old Twitter page. Um, documentaries about the real the real people. I think uh, I think for me, you touched on it back there. The, really, the the themes of the film for me are the fact that um, you know you can't fight progress, and um, basically um, there was a good article in the Guardian last year because I think it was the 50 year anniversary. Um, right. It basically says that you know. Um, Capital, it shows how capitalism tamed the Wild West. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a good line. Um, well, that's it. I mean, because they, they're robbing banks until that becomes a problem for the real money men in New York and, right. and those kind of areas. And they, they're not getting the money on the on the railway. So they mm. go, right, well, like, there's a great line in this really where E.H. Harriman's paying this super posse more than they're getting from the banks. He's like, if you just paid me not to rob him, then I wouldn't rob him. (laughs) I like like the line. The very first scene is him going to the bank and realising actually they're (laughs) they're getting more sophisticated in their their security. I think think there's a a sort of sadness and and nostalgia throughout the whole film, basically, Mm. about maybe about like the good times and that sort of thing. I mean, even the film reel at the start harks back to old movies um, yeah, and how they were shown in like the thirties, old westerns. And, and to a, to a viewing audience watching this film, that's not that long ago. They might have exactly. gone to those. It's weird, isn't well, it? Yeah. They might have grown up with them if you're in your fifties. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, quite easily. Yeah. And you know, Paul Newman's a little bit older than Robert Redford, and you know, he's he's talking about you know being over the hill and uh, you can't beat time. That's a that's a law. Yeah, all this sort of stuff. So Ben, can you get into what are the big things about this film? Then what do you love about this film? Well, the main the main thing that I love about this film is the script. And I know you yeah. talked about William Goldman. He's a he's a legend. Uh, I, I love William Goldman. Yeah. I love reading about him. It's so, it's, uh, it's so so much stuff to read about. I, I love that. I think he brought out a, a book. I need to I need to read. And he, he said a line um, about Hollywood. He said, "Nobody knows anything." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nobody knows whether something's gonna gonna be a hit. And yeah. he's so brilliant. And yeah, a lot of the research I've done into this is into William Goldman. So, yeah. Hugh, do you know which uh, which other film we've done, which is a William Goldman? The Princess film? Bride. The Princess Bride. And I've yes. just started reading the book, and so much of the book at the start is so him talking about the Princess Bride as though it's a novel he read in his youth or was read to him by his father by a Morgan Stern and but it's William Goldman actually talking as William Goldman he talks about uh, the writing of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and all this sort of stuff and uh, in fact he says when I die if the times give me an obit it's going to be because of Butch um and he, so the the cliff scene, you know, he says um, right. the, the the single moment that everybody talks about to him that was the cliffs of insanity that he'd read about in the Princess Bride so much, uh, and they became the cliffs of insanity. So he's kind of like, wow, you know, tying in all these things. So I looked. He obviously died last year, unfortunately, in um, eighty seven. So I looked for the New York Times obit, and it says William Goldman, who won Academy Awards for his screenplays for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yeah. and all the President's <laughs> Men. And it's like it's the first sentence yeah. <laughs> uh, in there, which is just fantastic. You know, that's exactly what he. That's exactly what he, he also said. did. Marathon Man. Marathon Man, Misery, All the President's Men, Stepford Wives. Stepford have you, yeah, have yeah. you seen All the President's Men? 
I haven't no. actually. No, no, it's got Robert Redford in it as well. Um, it's a really good film. Really good. I'm definitely up for watching it because you know, yeah. he got the he got the Oscar for it as well for for that screenplay. Probably a prescient as well in these times. Right. Well, like the Watergate scandal. Oh no! Oh, is that what it is? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not as it not turned out to be. Down. <laughs> yeah. we hope Let's so. impeach a president while he, they control the Senate. What a great idea! What a waste of several yeah. months of legislature. Hugh, when are you, when are you starting it? your politics podcast? <laughs> when I can get the right guests on there. <laughs> no, but it does. It smacks of. St- stupidity to try and impeach a president who controls the upper house when he's they're never going to convict system, their own they're never going to do it unless he killed a man which even <laughs> then they might have gone mm, well it was maybe he deserved it in fact He'll if a republican killed a man they'd probably vote they'd probably vote him another term do you know what i mean so <laughs> they'll make murder legal just so it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> crazy so times that's, a bit more political satire there. Um, satire, yeah. it's <laughs> commentary. Yeah, it just taking a wry, sideways a... look at politics. It just never made a logical sense why they, the Democrats went with it in the first place. They were never going to get it through the Senate. I don't, I, I don't think this is the time nor the place. We might be <laughs> alienating all kinds of Republican senators <laughs> right now. We might have yeah, some Republicans. Our, our main demographic of Republican yeah. senators. You know, this reminds me actually. I, I was watching an interview with Larry David, and he had an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm oh, where yeah. he realised he could get out of social occasions by wearing a Make America Great um, hat. Um, make America Great, again, again. and uh, the interviewer says, I love that. "Are you worried that you might alienate some some people?" And he says. Um, uh, go alienate yourselves. You know, I could give a fuck. <laughs> he's, he's someone who's got fuck you money. <laughs> you know, he does not care. Yeah, Give face at the fuck you money bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's great. So you know, that's that's. We don't really have that sort of level of income, but I, I still feel comfortable in saying uh, you don't have to listen to us if you. If don't you're want a Republican to. senator right now, stop listening. <laughs> it reminds me. It, it reminds me of another of a line from a movie, uh, Kelly's Heroes. I don't know why it just popped into my head. Well, I've, I've always liked it. At the end, when they're, try, they're trying to steal some gold in, in the war, um, and there's a German officer who's not letting them get past, and one of them goes, "Why don't we make a deal?" Maybe he's a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> right, okay. Shall we back steer this film. back into some <laughs> yeah, sort of uh, movie yeah. podcast? So along with uh, the line. With what with what Ben said there really about the script and the, the witness, for me that's the key thing, that the characterization really from that it, it's full of charm. <laughs> it's so full charming. of charm. That's William Goldman to a T, isn't it? That charm, you know. But I, that I also think, all the time yeah. I also think the actors bring so. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Paul Newman fan. Oh, oh, I love great. Paul Newman. He's great. He's got such screen presence. Have you? I, 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 don't, I don't know if you've seen many Paul Newman films, but um, I really haven't. There's a film that I think you should watch. Sam called The Verdict. It's, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. he won the Oscar on, for uh, it. Is that based on uh, what's his name? Um, Who's the writer who always writes about juries and trials and stuff? Oh, yeah. No, I don't think it is. I'm not sure. Oh, that's going to yeah. bug me now. Um, I know what you me. mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I've read two of his books. Anyway, come back to me on that. Yeah. I know um, what you mean. But, um, concentrated, yeah. it would seem. <laughs> no, it, it was directed by Sidney Lumet oh, of uh, 12 Angry Men fame. Um, yeah. It's really worth watching. And it, I just, yeah, I mean, most of his, most of his films I, I really like, Paul Newman, and obviously... Um, 
Robert Redford. I think I don't think he was the first. He was a he wanted they wanted him for the role at, at first. Oh, it was far from first choice. Yeah. yeah, I mean he was he was uh, the the director's first choice. But yeah, this is where we get into like the towering inferno sort of stuff. So Steve McQueen was was mentioned for it, and um, then there was kind of agents getting involved, and it's like mm. who's going to be the lead, and it was all this sort of bullshit. I could Same see I could inferno, see uh, like, Steve McQueen pulling off uh, Sundance. Really? Well, it, yeah, I could actually. Yeah, I he could. could but it, the, so it was the, this problem. So I think Tower Inferno, Steve McQueen. That's Steve McQueen and Paul Newman. That isn't it. Mm. They, I think their agents hashed it out. So they had exactly the same number of lines. They made sure in the script that the, the, yeah. you know, this big ego thing. And then on the poster, very famously, not one had top billing. So one of them was in the bottom left the other one was top right right the, the most prominent is to be at the top and left so they neither wanted to be you know neither was able to be it's so <laughs> pathetic so you get someone like robert redford who is far from a star at this point uh it works a lot better and oh, it kind of works as well to have an age difference between them i think yeah that convention of putting one lower but the other one higher but the one on the left and the other one on the right that yeah. l- literally happened i watched um the new Terminator film is it Dark Fate and they did oh, the yeah. exact same thing they had Arnie on the left but his name was lower than Linda Hamilton's on the right uh, and I was just like yeah. just put them both as top billing that's <laughs> I think nobody I went to see that the... film because like I'm not being funny but I, if I went to go see that film I would have seen it be more over Linda Hamilton than Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's made Terminator films since this was like yeah. the first one she'd made in you know nearly 30 years like I mean, I've not seen one since T2. I just haven't yeah, you've been done right. by it. I, I, I went yeah. to see Dark Fate and I thought it was absolute rubbish. It was rubbish, wasn't it? <laughs> Is it just really generic or something? What's the, yeah, what's the it's a bit generic It's a bit yeah. Fast Furious. The script yeah, is so terrible. Then it's like they don't really get it, yeah. It's funny that, because like, for the first two to be so good, and I've just been uh, reading the script for the first one, actually, because it comes in this uh, movie magazine that I get. Anyway, back to back to Butch and the, and the Sundancers. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it, this film is really well known as being a wonderful script, and I've got a couple of a couple of the sort of screenwriting books that I've got here. And John Truby does a great book called The Anatomy of Story, and if you look in the in the um, index for Butch and Sundance and it's just page after page of stuff about Butch wow. and Sundance um, and because he's using it as a good example for a lot of things like characters and archetypes uh, where Butch is the trickster archetype and Sundance is the warrior and he also says that the first two scenes constitute one of the greatest openings in movie history um, Goldman's scene construction and dialogue not only please and catch the audience immediately but also lay out the patterns and oppositions that determine the whole story exactly I mean it's such a I mean there's there's no exposition in the film really like I mean, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like exposition and that's such a difficult that's what thing exposition to do. Exposition is should be yeah exactly yeah. Okay, well here's a question for you both. So why would you recommend the film to me? Why do you think I would like it? I think you'll find it funny. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think you'll I do think you'll like that, and I've definitely found that. So basically, I watched it, you know, however long ago, ten years ago, whatever, first for the first time, and then I hadn't watched it until I watched it again the other day. And watching it again today, I liked it a lot more because I could just not worry too much about the story, but focus just on those two characters. And it is so well done; it's so well crafted. And um, yeah, I think you'll find it funny. For me, one of the one of the best things about the film is the ending as well. I think it's got a perfect ending. Yeah, it just, it yeah. just really it just leaves you feeling that sort of nostalgia and sadness, really, that it intended. And the last shot as well, it's really effective. <sighs> yeah, oh, it's brilliant. 
and uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about this now. So there's a documentary about it, the making of, and it's an unusual documentary because it's just the director um, narrating the whole documentary. It's not like interviews with lots of different people. The director's you know narrating the whole thing, and there's a lot of talk about the last scene um, towards the end of the documentary and like, there's this great bit so he's he's been really honest the whole way through and he's been really downbeat um, I'll tell you what, I'll play this clip I'll play this clip I have now spent exactly a year and three months on this film and at this point I don't know yet how it's going to be received I think it's a good film I think the guys are great in it and I think the relationships work uh, it was a hell of a lot of hard work doing it, and actually even more fun. And if the audiences don't take it, I, uh, uh, I think I'm going to <laughs> so, I don't know how well you can hear that, but he said, "I'll go. I think I'll go out my fucking mind." Because <laughs> it's just like the context. It's like he's about to say, you know, if the audience don't like it, I don't mind. I made the film I wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love this like making of documentary. The, the director's, so honest. He, he, yeah, he doesn't sound like he, he was very nice to work with, especially for Catherine Ross. But he, you know, right. he, got, he got the best out of the film. Mm. <laughs> well, Ro- Paul, Paul Newman and Robert Redford went on to go on um, make the sting with him as well yeah that's yeah, quite I, I like that film that's a good film as well is See, there, I've um, not seen that so is there any reason that you would maybe not think I wouldn't like what would you think I might not like about the film there's parts where it's a little bit slow and I think really the main thing that I thought aged were there's three musical montages in the I was, film. yeah I would say the exact same thing <laughs> and there's only one of them that I really like so, you know so there's the bike scene really all they wanted there was um they didn't really give much for Catherine Ross to do and to build up that relationship, so they just chucked in a bit that had no dialogue with a, with a bike. I wasn't I wasn't really a fan stuff. of the of the of that scene. I, I thought yeah. it was a bit silly. <laughs> it, it was too silly, and it really went on. And I, yeah, I remember not really taking to it. And and the whole New York Coney Island thing just doesn't age very well at all. The, the sort of slideshow. Yeah, um, there's a good reason behind it though. They they did have sets um, they could use, but the sets were for the film Hey Dolly, and that hadn't come out yet, so they weren't allowed to show them at those sets. So they kind of superimposed a kind of a neat idea, but the music is all a bit yeah, all a bit outdated. I think. Anything else you think uh, Hugh might not like? I think uh, I read uh, I read a review. I think it was in the same article in the Guardian uh, where it says the uh, the script dances on the edge of glib. And right. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost becomes nearly like a, a parody of a western. I think when they first uh, did some screenings, they had to cut out some jokes because it was a bit too much, make it a bit more serious. It's it- funny you say that. Robert Redford in an interview said that he thought that Hill, the director, was what made the film great, and that the script was too jerky. Right. You know, and, well, and, yeah, I think Will- William Goldman it said that a lot is da- a lot was down to the uh, direction of uh, of Hill. Uh, right. He's, but yeah, because it does kind of, I mean, especially the ending, it has, it's, you know, it's, it, it does dance on the edge of glib, but it doesn't go full parody. I think it, I think it has got a fine balance of seriousness and, and comedy. Yeah, because that, that scene is really comic when they're talking about Australia and, and those things. Uh, and on the page would be a bit humorous, but the fact that they, they know that they're going to die there. Yeah. It's gallows humour, isn't it? It's gallows humour, yeah, and yeah. at no point are they really acknowledging it yeah. out, outwardly, but they and that's perfectly encapsulated as their, their uh, relationship with these characters. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what, what Hugh thinks. Join us after the break, people, and where are we going to get Hugh's views? 
hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. We are now excited, baited of breath for Hugh's views. Hugh, what did you like about this great film? So, as you've already mentioned, what I really liked about this film was William Goldman's dialogue. Um, mm. It's what sets this film apart from other westerns of its time. I think this is the crux of the reason why this film is so famous, is because it doesn't lionise the West in the same way that a lot of uh, these famous Western films, you know, like all the John Wayne films, all the um, spaghetti Westerns, you know, it, it, it tries to be more realistic in its depiction of what this was like for this gang and, you know, two normal people who just happen to be outlaws and one of them just happens to be a half-decent gunslinger, but ultimately... You know, they're just two wise-cracking guys trying to make their life way in the world. Right. It's not, it's not Cowboys v. Indians, is it? Which is the worst type no, of Western. No, no. Um, and as you both said, it's set at the end of the Western period in American history where um, the... You know, it was the capitalism and uh, civilization was catching up to this, you know, you know, the, taking the wild out of the West, essentially. Um, uh, it, it, you know, it, it is its own thing. Um Robert Redford's great. Uh, Paul Newman, who's an actor who I'm, I'm obviously I've heard of the name, but I've not, I hadn't really seen. I can't remember anything of his I'd seen before, so I was kind of getting used to him. Uh, Catherine Ross does her best in this film. I think that character. One criticism I'll have of it is that she is underdeveloped a little bit. I would have liked to have seen more of her in this film, mm. um, but it is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So, you know, that's um, that is the main thrust of it. Um, what else did I like? I love the you know there's the the this this film it's like you know we mentioned on previous episodes like it sh- it teaches you how to watch the film uh, in the first like ten minutes. We were saying about good films teach you how to watch the right. what's coming up. Mm. And you're supposed to watch it with a wry yeah. smile. Yeah, with this it teaches you twice. I think mm. so. You see, the kind you kind of almost get the introduction of both the protagonists as right. This is how Butch sees the world. Uh, sorry, this is how Sundance sees the world. It's all sepia toned. It's all men being hard in bars and you know <laughs> showing off their skills and you know just putting fear into a man by saying his name and you know all this. And then you see it from uh, Butch's point of view, which is being the um, kind of the roguish, wild, you know, what did you say, Joker type archetype. Uh, trickster, yeah. Trickster, yeah, who, yeah, who shows, you know, he shows that authority over the big, you know, the Dave, you know, it's kind of David V. Goliath sort of I thing. I love that. And that is <laughs> yeah. so just smart and funny. And what a scene yeah. that is, yeah. The, the wisecracking sort of leader who... <laughs> can think on his feet there are no rules um, in knife fights <laughs> yeah, yeah, guns and yeah. knives but guns and knives <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what a scene that is to set up that character yeah uh, what else do I like about it um, I, there is look I'll be honest I, there is it's an old film it's you know it's 50 it was 50 years old so there are some pacing issues with it you've already mentioned that um, there's, there's three musical montages that don't fit very well in the film mm. the the the, uh, the raindrops keep falling on my head montage is completely jarring and out of place <laughs> in that film I wish if I could have, if I could go back and watch it I would have taken that out completely you know you got Oscar for best original song and the song's great but it's weird that it just shouldn't, shouldn't get the Oscar because it doesn't work in the film at all. The tone, I find, is a bit all over in this film. I think it steadies up after 
after they basically, as soon as they leave New York, the tone settles down and there's no real, like, there's no stupidity left in the film. That was the only thing that I didn't like, uh, quite frankly. Mm. Um, and But everything else, like, I didn't know, I to be honest, I didn't catch who the screenplay was written by when I first watched it. So when right. I came to look on the IMDb and saw that it was uh, William Goldman, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. It, like, oh, everything, he was like, make, you know, I was like Neo looking at the Matrix code. <laughs> you know, I was like, ah. Because I was thinking, because, you know, a, a, a word we use too much, I think, on this podcast is charming. But mm. that's what William Goldman did. He wrote charming <laughs> scripts about charming characters um, and puts them in almost life and death situations but you're kind of like playing it off for laughs which yeah i yeah, yeah I didn't i mean does it does it does it go over into the marvel realm of bathos or bathos you know of uh, of Ooh. undercutting the the seriousness of a of a scene do you think or is it does it find that line i think right? it's this i think it can it, a little bit a tiny bit like there's certain things that they tell each other throughout the course of the film where it's like you spend hours and hours and years with this person and you didn't know he could swim do you know that's like never come up before yeah you know, well, kind I mean, of they way. don't even know each other's real name until you know yeah. the first 20 minutes of the film and i think that's comes with the territory of uh, they're outlaws. Lifestyles. They're outlaws. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it. I think now. I don't like you two have said about the montage in New York. I can see why they did that. They just didn't have a budget. Like if this film was made today, that would have been half the film set in like <laughs> early twentieth century New York <laughs> because it it would have been a place you wanted to see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yeah. inhabit. But because they couldn't physically show it at that time, they had to just. Play it well, off as like, like I said, they actually did have the sets, and they actually were I'm very forgiving things for it. But they, those sets were being used for a film that wasn't due to come out for another couple of months, so they weren't allowed. They weren't given permission uh, to use them. I mean, what did you think generally of the sets and the and the locations? Um, I liked the yeah, no, they were good. They were of the time. Do you know what I mean? You, if they. You know those sets back in the sixties and fifties and things like that. They they looked like sets. Uh, the outside yeah. locations though were amazing. Uh, the train when the train explodes, that scene is fantastic. Do you know what? Since we're talking about scenes and things like that, should we get into favourite scenes? Let's do it. Do you want to as as the sort of uh, the recommendee? Do you want to give us your favourite scene first? Yeah, I will. Um, so my favourite scene of the film. Oh, I'm t- I'm torn between the first two scenes and the first train robbery. It is great. This so... is the gentleman, gentleman uh, robber, you know, gentleman thief. Yeah, like. Uh, yeah. yeah well. You know, there's no one else I'd like to be <laughs> robbed by than you. But it's E.H. Har- Harriman, you know. Yeah, it's like Woodcock. Is that you in the second? Uh, <laughs> in the second one, whatever he's paying you, it ain't enough. Yeah, um, I'd have to. <laughs> you want to have more respect for me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm torn. I don't know which one's my favourite. I think I like the fight the best. Although mm. the sh- oh yeah, in the second, even in the second train robbery, just the how unexpected that explosion is is brilliant. I have to say, yeah, that, that the money raining from the sky. 
Yeah, I was going to, you know, um, how many, so how many stuntmen died during that scene? Yeah, it's a sort of time of, of having very little, um, have, you know, not enough protocol. And in fact, when they when they uh, when they're in Bolivia, and he's and he's going between the two horses, and the horses fall because they've been shot. They're using a technique, uh, it explains it in the making of, they use a technique that's not legal in America anymore. Uh, and he says, you know, c- uh, they've basically got this wire that goes up the legs of the horse um, that they just pull kind of instantly. And he says, you know, there is a chance it could break the animal's neck, but in this case, the animal's fine. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah. And they do yeah. seem to, and like Robert Redford did his stunt, did his own stunt, so he's actually running along the train, which is nuts. Um, Paul Newman said, "It looked know, really dangerous." Yeah, no need to be a hero. I don't want to lose a co-star. I bet that's uh, not as dangerous as you think. Look at all the people who <laughs> do it all around the world. Oh dear! Oh dear! Look, H, the health and safety got mad, mate. <laughs> He's not even wearing a high vis. Mm. nuts. <laughs> yeah, but you see people on trains in like India and places like that on top wow. of trains all the time. No, what? <laughs> Speaking of stunts, this is actually, a steam train. Um, it didn't exactly go much faster. Paul, Paul Newman's uh, stunt double, forget his name, Dave Newman. Was, Dave Newman. He was playing one of the Bolivian cops who falls off a, a wall when he's shot. Yeah, I think Paul and, Newman had to go uh, at him about you know, that. There's limited stunt people. He's shot, and you can see actually. I don't think it makes the cut. He sort of takes a while to fall off. And I think it's because he looks down and he's like, mm, that doesn't look very safe. There's not enough boxes there. Falls off anyway, uh, breaks his pelvis. He's out for three months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are Crazy. proper nut jobs, aren't they? These stuff, and it's a fantastic line of work. Yeah, but I think I'm going to go with, as in terms of my favourite uh, scene, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a fight because it's just. It is with, with Harvey. With yeah, Harvey, it's yeah, just yeah. Because it's a great introduction to that character, and you know, he, it's just that line. He goes, "Well, we got to get the rules right," and he's like, "There, are, it's a knife fight. There are no rules." Okay, kicks him in the knackers. Someone, someone say one, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. <laughs> and he just gets as, he hits him as hard as he can with the uh, classic Star Trek double-handed fist, fist uh, punch and spin. I was rooting you for the rooting for you the whole time, but. <laughs> Yeah, that is brilliant because it's like you've just had the scene where Sundance has really laid down his credentials as being a scary man with his gun, and then you get uh, some, uh, you get Butch as well, and it's you just sort of feel comfortable and confident in their company, don't you? Because you don't think when they're in th- when they're when they're threatened, you sort of trust them to make it out of it, you know, until the entire Bolivian army is there pointing guns on one spot. I think the best montage scene. though of the film, the sort of the best, because it's not really a scene; it's a sequence of scenes. Is from the second train robbery to when they escape their pursuers. Mm. Um, Who are those? It's guys? really yeah. good. That is, yeah. He really, he's, <laughs> I, really put, I saw a super yeah. of that. He says it like four times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who are those guys? Who are those guys? Who are those and guys? They do, <laughs> they do such a good job of not ever showing them. I think close. it's the di- yeah. I was going to say the direction it really shows there. Like it's subtle, but it. it you can just always see him off in the distance in the, in the shot. It's really well it's done. how it would be, Relentless. wouldn't it, if someone was chasing you? You wouldn't really be able to see them too closely, mm. would you? Yeah, and I'm glad that the camera could pad and like, it could zoom and, and get them all like looking scary, but mm. the mystery is much mm. worse because they're supposed to be there. They're like these robotic just machines who won't stop and can track anything, aren't they? So yeah. like, you can't humanise them, really. Like, like uh, something we alluded to earlier, they're like Terminators. 
They're like Terminators, yeah, or, or um, what's the name in Hunt for the Wilder People? You know, they just they won't stop. <laughs> oh, uh, what, oh, I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, <laughs> spitting, <laughs> was... kicking, biting stuff, <laughs> throwing stuff. <laughs> Real bad egg. <laughs> Real bad egg. Uh, so, Ben, what's your favourite scene, my friend? Um, I think a few. Most of my favourite scenes are towards the second half of the film. Like, uh, I really love the, the scene where they just arrived in Bolivia. And uh, Sundance is kicking <laughs> off. <laughs> I love the way he said he, he starts like stuttering because he's that mad. Like when he, when um, Butch realizes he was born in New Jersey, and he was just like the whole weight <laughs> of stuff that you don't know. <laughs> and he just yeah. Into, yeah. yeah like, people could travel from hundreds of miles yeah. <laughs> to come to this part of Bolivia, and he's like, "This is probably just." It's all like this. And this is probably just a bad part of Bolivia. And he goes, "How do you know this?" <laughs> people. <might." laughs> yeah, because he's, he's like the dreamer, yeah. and he's and he's a trickster. And so when they're talking about Australia, he's like, "What? Well, how are the banks in Australia? <laughs> Easy." Easy, ripe, and luscious, and he's like, "You don't know about the banks in Australia." <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 another scene I really like is, I think it's like a pivotal point in the film when they've just taken, they've just taken the jobs to try and go straight, and they've uh, they're trying to get the money back, and and uh, Butch says like, "You know, I've, I've never shot anyone before." And you can see in his face, that's the point where he's... And then I think that it cuts to the next shot at night where it's just Paul Newman's face, like, thinking and realising, you know, can't go back from that now. Yeah. And then that obviously goes on to my favourite scene, which is the ending. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. It's so good. And their little conversation in that little yeah. book before, as as always happens, I'm watching it right now, and that, that I've just got to that scene. Yeah, and it's... What a way well, to end the film. Yeah, what is it about that? Yeah, do you quite like it? An ambiguous, not ambiguous, really, mm. is it? But you know, you like an ending that's not. I love, cut. I love the way the gunshots just build up until like when they go back in and they just uh, gunshot after gunshot after gunshot. I mean, yeah. yeah. Hugh, <laughs> what did you think of the ending? Uh, yeah, it was okay. Maybe it's a little cliched now, but yeah, I liked. Um, I like the fact that you're not sh- you think they're going to get back into the bank without getting hurt and yeah. then or into wherever sorry the restaurant and then he actually gets shot in the back and yeah I was a bit disappointed they didn't show him because he goes out and I was hoping to see the old you know the money shot the blaze of glory death sort of him just getting riddled with a thousand bit bullets um, I was a bit surprised they, they didn't show that but uh, it's a bit like um, they, like Adagos yeah. fourth you know the original cut they yeah. had where they just die and it looks so crap and so they like you know rush job last minute editor stays in and does a pulls an all nighter just fades to poppy fields, you know, and it's one of the best endings of a sitcom episode. Definitely. Probably ever. It's got a similar feel, definitely, yeah. I've never thought of that before. I've got a quick question for you both, though. So how many men did uh, Sundance brutally murder with his pistol? Ooh. Wow. Uh, do you know the number? I counted number? it out, yep. I went oh, you counted it? <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> not even IMDb, IMDb trivia. Wow. I mean, it's got to be 35. No, it's not, as, on, it's not as many as that, but he is like a dead eye in this situation. Yeah. It's dazzling, isn't it? Uh, yeah, a little 20. lower. All right. I'll give you both one 17. more guess. Nope. 17. Uh, ben? 18. <laughs> <laughs> no, not far off, though. He uh, brutally murders 14 members of the uh, Bolivian military. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And they kill... Each of, each of whom have a family... And uh, dreams and hopes and ambitions, and we're rooting for the guys shooting them in cold blood. Yep. 
you know, they're just doing yeah. their job, you know, protecting the uh, citizens and property and businesses of Bolivia. Mm. Yeah. But these gringos coming in. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like I went through it and I was like, Jesus Christ. And I think and uh, Butch only kills or shoots one of them. <laughs> so they kill 15 or they wound mortally or wound four, 15 and 14 of those are uh, Sundance. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a dead shot. Yeah, he's he? ridiculous. He does, he does only job. if he can move. Um, yeah, I'll leave you can move. move. That's yeah. great. That is great. Um, I think for me, the favorite, my favorite scene is the when they're on the cliffs of insanity. Yeah. Um, the, the the whole chase up to them is really excellent, as we talked about. You know, and there's these inhuman killing machines and so on. It has some of the best lines as well, which we'll get into in a favorite lines. Um, their conflict of character character types is never more pronounced than it is there. You know, in terms of like Butch wants to fight, and uh, sorry, Sundance wants to fight, and Butch wants to trick his way out of it basically um, and then they run away uh, which is so it's a subversion of the genre it sort of encapsulates everything great about this movie the dialogue the characterization, and the sort of unconventional yeah. story I think the best use of the bathos though that you run about in this film is when they try and join um when they try and join the army to go and spy, fight in the Spanish yeah. War, and the guys just like they're not going to let you join. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not. That's not how it I, works I love, anymore. I love the line from like, that. Yeah. Trust my legs. Uh, you didn't even have the decency to draw your guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like of that the delusion that they have, where it's like, oh, you don't even have to make us officers. Yeah. It's like what? Yeah. <laughs> of course, they're not going to. We're make not in a strong negotiating <laughs> position right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, although so you, although watching lines, it, you'd be on. like, well, Butch probably would make quite a good officer because he'd he'd kind of be quite tricky, and you know he would look after. You know, he's already shown that he can lead men, but it's just he's not. Gonna, they're not going to allow him to do that. Yeah, and obviously, they're going to give him an official rifle and set him off. Yeah, yeah although it probably would have been the best compromise for everyone. I think well, that's... you know, when he tried to turn straight, though, they killed five or six guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've gone straight. Why don't we try now? <laughs> so maybe not. Well, that's it. That's not. great, isn't it, as well, that when he does turn straight, he ends up hurting people. Mm. Yeah, more than he would have done otherwise. So we get into favourite lines, then? Um, One, two, three, go. <laughs> go, go, go. Do you want to start off that carousel, Hugh? Uh, yes. So my favourite line in this film is simply, uh, <laughs> this is no time for bravery. I'll let you go. <laughs> it's like something out of a Mel Brooks film or, yeah. you know, Airplane or something and like that. And then he realises why it has to be him and, you know, why, what is it? Yeah. yeah. Something like, why do I have to you be You know so I'm smart? right, don't you? Also. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, really, uh, I think the funniest line for me is when they're trying, when they're running away, or they're, they're trying to get out of uh, being hunted down, and they've been going all over the place, and they said they can't follow us, and he goes, "I don't know where we've been, and I've just been there." <laughs> <laughs> I, I also like the line. Uh, I like the line where when they just got into Bolivia and Sundance is kicking off, and. And uh, Butch goes, Jesus, a, a few dark clouds appear on your eyes and you just go to pieces, don't you? That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the conflict of their personality style, yeah. isn't it? Because he's somebody... He, basically, this is Del Boy and Rodney yeah. Potter, like, 20 years before. He <laughs> pretty much is, yeah. The sort of dreamer. Indie Not 20 years, dreamer. it's like 10. Oh, 15, yeah. 10, 10, 15. No, it's yeah, like, this is 69. I think yeah. um, that started in, what, like, 79, 80? So it's like right. 10 wow. years, yeah. Yeah, it's How old you it. are, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Way too old. Um, but yeah, they've got the dreamer and the and the realist, I think, in that case. Yeah. 
Okay. For, for me, I think my favourite line is uh, where, again, it's on the Cliffs of Insanity uh, scene, and uh, when he says, I can't mm. swim. You know, he's been convincing him, let's jump. I can't swim. Are you crazy? The fall will probably kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one trying to convince yeah. him to do the fall. I just think that's just great. And I, I really like, again, another little character moment when he says, um, oh, I've forgotten. Basically, uh, Sundance isn't talking, and he says one thing, and he says, "How come you're so talkative?" Just naturally, Gabby, I guess. <laughs> I it's like his yeah. first line. <laughs> there is another line that I like where I can't remember it specifically, which doesn't help for a yeah, podcast that I'm making. Mm. But it's when they're holed up in the uh, the, the uh, saloon, and um, they send out the owner to to uh, oh yeah to <laughs> distract the posse oh, yeah. that's going after yeah. them. And he, yeah. oh, what does he say? He says something he like. Says, if, I believe uh, if him. If he told me, if he told me, I'd just gone that way. <laughs> yeah, <I believe> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah, that's, that's a great scene. Good. That is. Yeah, it's great because it, it, it just wonderful. adds a little bit of character to an an un- unconsequential character, really, mm, doesn't it? Yeah. It's that. Yeah. It's like, oh well, yeah, you could imagine that person. That's that's the strength, I think, of Goldman's writing. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can tell it's a, it's a good indicator of how good a script is and how good a show is when the side characters yeah. have these rich histories. Like the guy they work for in Bolivia to go collect the the money and to bring it back up the He's hill. Great. I'd watch a film about that guy and these ten years in Bolivia. Morons. Morons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working with morons. <laughs> They're not going to rub us going down the mountain. <laughs> We've got no money going down the mountain. <laughs> they just look at each other like, oh yeah. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's someone like Wally Shaw yeah. could have played that role. I thought, you know, if, if it was ten years later, it probably would have been. <laughs> There's a line I like as well um, when they're trying to learn Spanish, and oh, and they're scene. in bed, and, and she goes over and goes, uh, to "Butch, what about?" He goes, "What are you What are you doing?" He goes, "Nothing." He goes, "What What the hell else is there to do here?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's yeah, open the safe, and he has to. Get his pitch yeah. out, and uh, he's very impressed. He's like teacher's pet. <laughs> he loves to be the one that's actually trying. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, let's find out. So we're going to have a little break now. When we come back, we're going to find out what Hugh's rating is, what the critics thought. Should we do what Ben's uh, rating was as well? Get we'll get Ben's rating, of course, mm. and we'll have, have to a think little of bit two. of what we might call a quiz. A little bit of um, a quiz. Ooh. Yeah. So join us after that. There, break, ladies and gents. Welcome back. So we're going to hear a couple, few things. We're going to hear Hugh's rating, the critics' ratings, and a little quiz. And Ben's rating, sorry. So, Hugh and Ben, how many entire Bolivian armies out of ten would you give this film? Hugh first. Ooh, I would give it maybe seven divisions of Bolivian armies. <laughs> <laughs> Only seven, really? Maybe seven, maybe an eight for the dialogue. Yeah, I still yeah. think it, you, it's hard to look. We, it's always hard to look a film that's fifty years old and not to see it its flaws front and center sometimes because of the modern developments of camera technique, of stunt work, um, of acting craft. That you know these things have just slowly improved over the years. You know, but then you wouldn't get great scripts in films. You know, <sighs> would you have a Tarantino without a Goldman? Maybe, not. but you know, somebody had to lay that groundwork for people who can write like that. And I think this—that this is the one thing I enjoyed about this film so much was I believed in these characters because 
they felt like real people who were they might have been like you said archetypes but they're not they're not they're not grounded in reality do you know what i mean they they mm. they they're very they're flawed characters which are great mm. where usually these characters are you know they're they're peerless and i liked that they were flawed and you know that he couldn't swim and they didn't know each other's names and as much as i criticized it earlier it is it is part of that um it's part of the rich tapestry of this film um yeah but there is like i said there's a few scenes that are a bit you know incongruous i think um at a place uh, Catherine Ross's characters she's not maybe as developed as she could be um, it's such yeah. a fascinating relationship they've got though isn't it yeah. I quite like that you don't have to exposit anything about this weird threesome yeah. thing and you don't actually believe that she's sleeping with, with Butch or anything like that but yeah it's a really fascinating I think I, I think you asked the question as well what would they have done with it now I kept asking mm. myself what would they have done with this now and I would have been like well they probably would have had Butch sleeping with her as well, and maybe they'd have had a yeah. f- him and him and Sundance would have had a fight over classic and... classic love triangle nonsense. Yeah, and I think it's more implied, and I would have liked to have seen more scenes between her and Butch and her and Sundance. I think there's one scene that's very reason I've not given it like ten is because there's the bit where Sundance goes into her um, into a bedroom yeah, and they try yeah that's well, a bit uh... and they. Tr- <laughs> And it's so rapey. And I was like, oh, at the time I was like, oh, right. So this is a, because I didn't know the tone of this film. I didn't realise it was kind of, you know, bantery. I thought it was like a sit, a famous, serious Western. And yeah. I was expecting like, oh, it, oh, these are terrible people. He's a, he's a rapist, essentially. Of yeah. He's seen some nice young girl who he knows in this town. And he's, he's, he basically is somebody who goes out raping young women. And then yeah. she was like, I can't remember the line she says, but then they break the tension and it's like, Oh, so this was play- he was doing this for laughs, and she was playing along, and it's like it is weird, isn't it? It's a weird. It scene is a bit weird, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's probably not aged well, but yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 weird because as well, I did feel, especially when they were hurting Woodcock um, on the train, I did feel like, oh wow, we're being made to sympathise with the bad guys here, mm. and we are. We do sympathise with them, but they're saying, you know, like their struggle is that they couldn't find work elsewhere this is the only thing they know and they're trying not to hurt anybody they're, they're gentlemen but they're not yeah you know? exactly <laughs> they're bad guys yeah, yeah like so, Sundance yeah. doesn't have any issues with killing people but no, that, that's no he's, he's killed a few made plain you know where Butch does um, so yeah so I would give it an 8 for but it's one of those it might slow burn on me and I might come back to it and re and reevaluate in a few months time when I've had a bit longer to ruminate on it yeah, quite possibly. So, yeah. Ben, how many uh, entire Bolivian armies would you give this out of ten? Uh, I think I'm going to have to give it nine and a half. It's up there for me. Well, like I say, there's a few things that um, bring it a bit, bring it down. But I, I could watch this film over and over again, and I've watched it a lot, a lot of times now. And but and it's, it's the ending elevates it to a, to a brilliant film for me. I mean, it's a good film with like the script and the rest of it, but the ending for me just elevates it right up there and makes it sort of, sort of an unforgettable unfor- unforgettable one for me I mean I uh, yeah. what I really love about it I love watching films that just have don't spend time on exposition and I just love watching characters that feel real and you know um, I think it's such a hard thing to do I think a lot of modern films these days are just so exposition heavy and they just the look. Yeah, and you don't, yeah. And you don't need it, do you? Like you don't need to know where they met, why they're together. They're like, just trying to get a story across. Where this, 
the story's sort of incidental. It's just spending more time with the characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's like things, they're, like people often criticise this as a bad storytelling, but they, the characters are literally reactive rather than active. And Sam's always talking about active characters, yeah. but the only thing they're really active about is that they want to rob right. things, <laughs> but the rest is them dealing with the consequences of their um, actions, mm. which I really like. Yeah, and I think... I think and that drives it, the narrative as well. And div- it, it means it means that they're not entirely reactive because they they are on the run, but they do things while they're there. You know, they do these robberies and they, they try things and rather than just hiding out in a cave. But yeah, okay, well, that's that's what, the ratings. I think what I'd rating would you I'd give, probably give it a, I'd probably give it a nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an ex- extremely good film. You just like being with those characters, um, but it's it's not certainly not perfect. I'm surprised there was. I mean, I know you can't have a sequel to a film where the two characters <laughs> die at the end, but I was. It does feel like a film that could have had a prequel, and you could have had them a bit, you know, five years previous or something yeah. like that, and you could have had them riding off into the sunset, even though you know their fate. It would have been, yeah, I'm surprised the studios um, kind of reined in on that. Maybe Goldman was like, no. I'm not <laughs> Yeah, it would have been director. just another one of those uh, cash-ins, I think, wouldn't it? And I'm glad they didn't really Hollywood do cashing in on a f- famous <laughs> bit of film property. That's not like them. Seems, seems mm. very unlikely. Yeah, they're, um, they're usually such purists. Yeah. So with, Artists with those before ratings, capitalists, aren't they? With, with those ratings in mind, what do you think the Metacritic score would be? Well, well it... it, it hmm... Um, it's one of these like famous films, so I expect like eight point five nine. What do you think, Ben? Or do you know? Well, us? I do know that the critics weren't a fan of it when it first came out. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, it got quite it got slated. What? The audience loved it, um, but is it because it's so different to any other like western at the time? Was that the problem? Maybe, well yeah, be. yeah, it could well be. I've got a couple of uh, couple of reviews here to uh, to share with you actually, if you want to hear mm-hmm. them. Um, the Metacritic score was sixty six percent. Sixty six. Yeah, and uh, you know um, William Goldman was not a fan of critics, nor was uh, Hill, the director. Both of them, even though they had a lot of success, both critically and uh, commercially, and kind of with audiences, they really didn't like critics. As always, I think William Goldman was like, no, "That's the worst thing to be <laughs> <laughs> as a critic," because it's just you know it's, it's sort of solid. Um, with that in mind, our favourite critic, Roger Ebert, writing contemporaneously, which is definitely a word. Uh, it is a word. Appropriately, yeah. You have, um, well done. He gave it 2.5 out of 4 stars. Um, he basically had a, a split view of the film. He really liked one bit, but really disliked, basically really liked the first third or half, and then really didn't like the rest. Um Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid must have looked like a natural on paper, but alas, the completed film is slow and disappointing. This despite the fact that it contains several good, laugh, good laughs and three sound performances. William Goldman's script is, consist, uh, is constantly too cute and never gets up the nerve, by God, to admit it's a western. So he basically says that the early scenes have lots of promise, um, but then he doesn't like it f- from the time that the super posse arrive. He just doesn't like it after that. He thinks that... He keeps saying that, like... Because That's my got, new indie band, by the way, name. Super. <laughs> <laughs> super posse yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, because they've got Paul Newman and the big star he thinks that they've gone too high budget um, and he doesn't really like the kind of bigger high budget train things um, and he yeah so when they're on that chase he talks about how 
Uh, it goes on and on and on until we've long since forgotten how well the movie started and are desperately wondering if they'll ever get finished riding up and down those endless hills and once bogged down, the movie never recovers. I guess he's really he's and really I, comparing it to other westerns at the time, really, isn't he? Yeah, uh, that must be a big part of it. Do you think it's before its time? Maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely before its time. I think that's why it's endured so long because you can't nothing endures that long without it feeling... Contemporary mm. to everyone at every period. Yeah. Like, there was stuff I was watching in that going, that is a modern film. Yeah. You know, it's in a modern adaptation. Yeah, they're almost up better than John Wayne, I think. Yeah, definitely. Even some Clint Eastwood spaghetti western stuff, you know, the dialogues in those films tend to be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty much yeah. non existent. Compared to this. Yeah. Well, literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, there is a, a, a contemporary report. Um, uh, critic though John Mahoney from the Hollywood Reporter, according to Metacritic, he gave it a hundred percent. He said Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Sundance Kid, has both William Goldman's justly expensive screenplay. It was expensive. It was a record at the time, four hundred thousand yeah. dollars that they paid for it, which in today's money is nearly three million dollars. Worth every penny uh, though. No, it really is. And you know, he hadn't he hadn't had a hit before it or anything. He'd written novels, uh, but this was his first. I think his first screenplay they sold. It's pretty <laughs> good. And uh, nobody wanted it the first time round. He said nobody wanted it. I took it back, made no changes to it, put it out there again, and then everybody wanted it. <laughs> and it was a famous bidding war for it. Um, uh, so it's just the expensive screenplay and two stars who could not be better fitted to the realisation of the title roles. Thus inspired, director George Roy Hill's intelligence and craft have never been so clearly and confidently manifest in bringing to the screen the aggregate virtues of the ingredients. So some did love it at the time, which is good, which is very yeah. pleasing. I'm surprised Ebert didn't like it. That really does come as a shock. He usually, yeah, he usually gets a film when it's good. It's I've interesting. No, I wonder. I, 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 in fact, I never, I never looked for this. I wonder if he revised his. Yeah, I had a look for know. that. I don't think he did. I don't think yeah. he did. Right. But he definitely missed the mark. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe just. I can understand how he could expect it to ha- it, to hold it to a higher expectation. Um, maybe he was felt let down that they, like you said, they spent all this money on the the train explosion and sets and things like that, and then it's just a film about two guys running away from a posse and then going to Bolivia to rob some mm. banks. Yeah. It, maybe it doesn't. Maybe he wanted more of the hole in the wall gang and uh, stuff like that. I think you know. so. Maybe that all that sort of comic book, uh, you know, boys own kind of stuff. Yeah, sort of maybe ripping so. yarn, sort of western yeah, adventure. It, yeah. That would have been his childhood, yeah. I assume. Well, yeah, yeah so. definitely. Yeah, it's not a negative review. Two point five out of four is not as bad as it could be because he really did like a lot of aspects. But yeah, good old Rog there. I don't think we agree with him fully. Um, so that's the critics. We've had our ratings. We've had the critics' ratings. Are you both ready for a little bit of what we might call a quiz? Oh, let's yes. go for it. Okay, so the standard practice, I'll ask Hugh first. If Hugh doesn't know it, Ben gets to chime in. How's that sound? Yep, that sounds good. Cool. Question one. What colour are Paul Newman's eyes? <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are uh, navy... No, they're not navy blue. They're, <laughs> they're just they're just a light blue, aren't they? Old blue, old blue, blue eyes. Most famous blue yeah. eyes. Old blue eyes, I thought yeah. that was Frank Sinatra. It is, yeah, but it's also... I'm sure it's been said about Paul Newman because he's got beautiful blue eyes. Uh, number two, um, we've said it a couple of times, hopefully you know it. What is the name of the man working on the train and for whom does he work? 
so the man on the train is called Woodcock. I can, and now, and now and he you works might not have been, for... but it sounded just then like you were looking through your notes. <laughs> no, no. I'm trying I felt to like I could pick that up by the sound. I want you to close your notes right now. Don't. I'm not at looking them. at my notes. I'm not cheating. <laughs> okay. So tell us, sorry, who is so it? So it's Woodcock on the train, and he yeah. works for uh, E something Herman. <laughs> oh, so close. Yeah, from. What is it, E.G. Herman? It's uh, E.H. Harriman of Union Pacific Railroad. Harriman, yeah, that's it. Harriman, a real, a real person. Really? Um, yeah, he was the, actually the guy who actually set up a super posse to actually go. Did he actually? And what's really interesting actually is that there's. Plenty of theories that said that actually, actually, actually. <laughs> uh, they didn't necessarily die in Bolivia. Um, and oh, yeah. if they and the island with Elvis, so they kind of the official story is that it was only like three men who went and killed them, rather than the entire Bolivian army. Um, but yes, yeah, some have said that there was a. I think it was a. Oh, maybe not a death certificate. Somebody turned up in a morgue or something like that, who could well have been uh, Sundance. Right. Um, but it's uh, all shrouded in mystery and all that mm. sort of stuff. So, but they probably died. But there's no confirmation. Um, number three. I hope uh, this is a sort of question that I think you know. I'm going to ask. What are Butch and Sundance's real names? Oh, Christ. <laughs> um... <laughs> Their real names are, <laughs> are you Robert Leroy Parker <laughs> and Harry. Long ball. It doesn't right. say it. If it says it in the film, it's very rarely so it's not I think uh, it's I not there's a scene where they say it, it, says yeah. it Is it like one yeah. scene? No, uh, no, I'm yeah. I'm gonna I think they make a point of it, don't they? That oh is that your real name? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Robert Leroy Parker and Harry Longaval. Yeah. Number four then. What does Sundance look for in a woman? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight adjectives. Oh, if you can give me four or more, you win. <laughs> oh, I don't. Do you know what, Sam? I, have, I cannot remember that. F- I, no, I don't Do you remember know the scene, scene I know which one you're on about, and I can't remember yeah. it at all. For love, no Go money. Oof, it's stuff me. for me. I'm not going to um, She's got to be funny. Um, nah. Nope. <laughs> um, I remember the scene, but yeah, it's it's like it gets more ridiculous and ridiculous. Uh, yeah, she's pa- practically like the perfect woman by the end, isn't she? I'm not picky. She just has to be smart, pretty, sweet, gentle, and tender, and refined, lovely, and carefree. Wow. <laughs> he wonders why I write down some like answers on this podcast, <laughs> and he's asking questions like this. <laughs> And finally, because well, there are seven questions, but there's five that um, that are on screen. The other two are just one of the you know the fun fact kind of questions. Yeah. So question five: What's the name of the gang that Butch and Sundance lead? Hole in the Wall Gang. Hole in the Wall Gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what Paul Newman called his charity, which is quite lovely. Um, so uh, you did um, a fair to middling this week. Fair to middling, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Here's two extra questions then that I'm not expecting you to know because they weren't on screen. But you know, I'll ask them for them for a laugh. Uh, number one: How many years older is Paul Newman than Robert Redford? What's the age gap? Oh, I looked this up when I was watching the film. I'm trying to remember the number. Um, it's about I think it's about 15, 16 
Ben, what do you think? I have no idea. I'd go for I think Robert, 20, maybe. I think Redford was about 30 when he made this. And I think Newman was about 46. What did you say? Uh, I said about 20, but I think that's a bit too much. didn't say yes. It's 11 oh, years. Wow. <laughs> 11. So, yeah. yeah, so Newman was born, oh. born in 25, so he'd have been about, yeah, sort of early 40s, 43, uh, 44. And Redford was born in 36. So he'd have been, yeah, about 30 when they started. Just just over 30 when they started. And this is a this is an impossible question, unless you know the hmm. answer, basically. Um, which future husband of Catherine Ross made his film debut in this film? Oh, Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's card, in this film. He, he plays card player number two. <laughs> <laughs> His nose is on screen for about seven <laughs> seconds. Wow. It's it's in the you know in the, in, the, in um, Sundance's first scene when he's been accused of cheating. It's the other guy who's playing. I knew that. I, I knew that because <laughs> I was reading about Catherine Ross and how she got sent off the set. And she ended up marrying the yeah. uh, cinematographer, and then it said how she married Sam Elliott after that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She was sent off the set because she was she filled in as a fourth um, a camera operator, yeah. I think, or something. And uh, the the director was not happy about that, so he kind of banned her from set when she wasn't working. She hated <laughs> him when they when they filmed the bicycle scene. That was her favorite scene because it was a second unit director, so she didn't have to work with him. <laughs> What is it? Just like stone cold misogyny? It seems a bit misogyny, yeah. And it's or is it that whole? Sorry to interrupt, but is it that whole kind of American um, union thing where it's like, no, you can't do that because you're not in the union, so you're not allowed to use that equipment? See, I don't think he'd have said it to Robert Redford. It definitely, there's a lot of misogyny, and it was in the in the making of documentary when he's talking about the appeal of Catherine Ross. He says something like. You know, she uh, looks great on camera and she's very striking and she's incredibly hot. <laughs> she's drop dead sexy or something. Like, he says three compliments to her. Not one of them is about anything other than how B wants to burn her, basically. <laughs> well, we all know about misogyny. <laughs> oh, that's it. Uh, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, and he's, oh, and that's it. And he also says, and she has this amazing um, vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like, she's incredibly sexy and vulnerable. That's why Jesus. I hired her. Um, and she'd of course go on to star in well not go on to star in she'd already been in The Graduate I can't believe The Graduate's older than this film yeah The Graduate came out two years before this film that's crazy it blows my mind that's time it's just this crazy thing isn't it (laughs) yeah far too linear for my I have another question Um, one second per second go on Ben's got a super question uh, it reminded me of it when you asked what the name of the gang was do you know what the name of the gang was in real life and why they changed it? Yeah, it was the um, oh, was it the wild? Yeah, bunch the wild the bunch. Wild yeah, ones. the wild ones. Yeah, but they had Sam Peck. What was it? Sam Peckinpah. Yeah, Sam Peckinpah Peck film. Peck yeah, Peck. yeah, asked him to change it because it was it would uh, sound like his film, which is also an amazing western. The wild bunch. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen it at all. I mean, I I didn't know because. What I tend to we tend to do for stuff like this is, if it, especially if it's like historical stuff, tend to try and keep away from stuff on the internet so you don't get right. it like crossed, sort of like diluted until you, we do the podcast. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I, yeah. I, I can like I'll now go happily learn all about Butch Cassidy and uh, Sundance Kid. All I did was Google then because <laughs> I knew Sam would ask. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were using your I'm Googling something voice when you got to those, which is understandable, not very easy. Um, So that's Butch and Sundance. I've enjoyed this so much. Um, And 
I've enjoyed the hiatus because I've I've liked having other time to do the research into this because, like I say, this film is mentioned in all the screenwriting books I ever read and William Goldman comes up in every other page in these books. So it's been really nice to watch lots of interviews and, and making of and that sort of thing. On the subject of which, um, our plan at the moment, listener, is to move to a more uh, fortnightly release kind of to give us time to really really research these films and, and really give you the best quality we can. Um, so that brings us to two weeks from now. What are we going to be doing, Hugh? What film are you going to demand that I watch? Well, I'm going to tr- we're going to try. We're going to try and force... Uh, we're going to try and get schedules lined up and stuff like that. We're going to try and watch Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a bit of top drawer... Uh, parody classic comedy and we're going to get uh, Liam Waters back on we're going to get Juicy on again (laughs) yeah so Spitballs is one of those films that I I don't it's like I feel like I have seen it but actually when I think back I can't have seen it all the way through is it one of those films you've seen some of the bits of it but not all from start to finish yeah like I watched a video essay which was uh, how to break the fourth wall properly or something and that's involved there yeah. And I know some things, but I'm also in my head confusing it with Galaxy Quest and all kinds of like stuff like that. So Galaxy uh, Quest is a good. Film I love Galaxy well. Quest. Is that with Tim Allen? Yeah. Is that Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver? Kelsey Grammer, Grammer Rick... I think. Yeah. Uh, no. Is he not? Th- no, he's not. That's no, you're thinking I'm of Alan X-Men Three. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking Rickman. of Up Periscope. <laughs> periscope. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. I can picture Tim Allen standing there next to like something that looks like a periscope, and then that has blurred into the trailer for Up Periscope with Carson Crow. <laughs> I feel like uh, slightly different. I feel film. like Spaceballs is just uh, Hugh's way of getting Sam into Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. All this no. is leading us towards watching fucking Rise of Skywalker. Or no, it's it? it's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben I'm assuming you're a fan of space balls I, I haven't seen it for a while but yeah it is fu- I, I do like it it's funny <laughs> the force <of> <laughs> which will all become played I'm, I'm assuming I'll laugh time. at that yeah, it's got Rick yeah. Moranis in it, and it yeah Rick Moranis well yeah, this right. is the he's, one he's of, exactly yeah that's one of the reasons I thought we would do it because he's uh, finally coming back mm. isn't he he's been cast mm. in the sequel that's not going straight to video of uh, <laughs> Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Just can we say, the, the story of Rick Moranis, the guy who basically oh. quit Hollywood to raise his children after his wife died. What a hero. Yeah. When he was at the, like, very, very famous, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Crazy that he just went, no, this is more important than making uh, yeah. loads of money in Hollywood and being away from my children. Very different to James Cameron. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, who probably wanted his wife to die. <laughs> well, who's won more Oscars? <laughs> yeah. Well, ask me again in ten years. We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of Oscars, this film got four of them: um, Butch and Sundance, and it got nine Baftas, which is wow. still a record. So you know, not critically acclaimed, but uh, did get awards. I mean, the, the awards three of them were for sound. I think. Oh no, two of them was for sound, a sound and um, original song, and then there was best uh, best screenplay, original screenplay, and uh, cinematography. Mm. Fun fact, just while we're on the fun fact section in my brain. Okay. So Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and send us fun facts about anything they choose, how might they go about doing that? They need to go to Bolivia, rob some banks, use their <laughs> uh, internet there to yeah. uh, write in a message to us. Yep. This felt like a bullet point presentation rather than your normal uh, prose, but I'll take it. That's the short Just answer. Keep it short and sweet sometimes, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Like myself. 
feeling that if they can't get to Bolivia because they've not really committed to the podcast, um, how might they email us? Don't know, mate. <laughs> That's the only way I ever get to send emails. Do you know how many times I've been to Bolivia when I've had to do an email? I need to sort your uh, uh, stay in line. They are. You, know, you, you, you think all these times I've been to Bolivia, I think I know a little bit of Spanish by now, but all I can say is, hola, uno, esto, compu- uno esto computer uno. Esto es un robo. <laughs> yeah. Manos arriba. Manos arriba. Their hands are up. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. But seriously, email address, what is it? It's uh, pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. So email in and tell us about your thoughts on Butch Cassidy, on anything you want to talk about. Spaceballs. Yep. Yeah. Any Star films Wars. we've looked at. Yeah. Bernie Sanders. Oh, any, any topic <laughs> that's pertinent to today's episode. Uh, in terms of uh, social media, our main outlet really is Twitter. We are at pleasewatchpod. You can find us on Facebook at pleasewatchpod. We're sort of on Reddit, technically, and we're now on the YouTube, so uh, get in touch with us on any of those mediums. Yeah. Ben, mediums. as always, it's been a pleasure. It's also been a pleasure for me. M- more, your, more yours than mine. <laughs> but, but, uh, we'll try and redress that next time. We're on. <laughs> it's been a privilege, Ben. We appreciate you coming back and uh, look forward to getting you on for uh, maybe another horror back to, back to time. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. No, we've got to get him on for like a Japanese or a Korean film. That's yeah. what we need to do next. Yeah. Get through yeah. Ben's area of expertise. Maybe Parasite. I've heard that's in the news. Yes. <laughs> neither me nor Ben have seen what it. coronavirus? Neither me nor Hugh have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's racist. Um, right, what? so... <laughs> it was a very, observa- very good observational joke, I'll have you find. I'll explain yeah. it to you later. well listeners we love you oh so much and uh, we look forward to talking at you next time yeah take care Bye. bye